episode of glee we've done it we've done it (gasps) how far we've come you know i wish that we were sort of like more synced up so that way it would be the 100th episode of the choir room but i believe that we've blown past that um for quite some time now but that's fine it's okay this is still a very monumentous occasion and of course to celebrate this milestone episode i've got matt with me and how are you today Yes, you have Matt with you today, as opposed to every other day uh, when you have somebody else with you. I'm so excited for uh, episode 100, um, but of course I can't start it off without a little snark in there. Um, episode 100 for the uh, for Glee, for the show, not for us, because as mentioned, we have blown right past 100 episodes with a bunch of Glee caps and special bonus episodes and whatnot, so uh, we're chugging along way past 100 at this point, but... Uh, Glee has finally hit 100 episodes, uh, supposedly 100 lessons, but I don't know how factual that is. Uh, we'll talk about, but uh, yeah, very excited to get into this. I've been, uh, I've had this circled on the mental calendar for a while. Uh, episode 100, of course, it's a two-parter, so I'm uh, very excited to get into it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, Glee was a very experimental show at the time, right? It there really hadn't been a lot of examples of primetime television that incorporated music as heavily as Glee did. So in a lot of ways, people were looking to this show, um, maybe not with the highest expectations of longevity. But, I mean, we're in the fifth season now. The show has been on at this point for what? I mean, this is what? Running in 2014. So five years at this point. So yeah, I mean it's a it, this is a huge accomplishment for a show of this nature, and uh, you know just the a, a, a celebration and the fact that all of these kids are back for this uh, specific episode to celebrate the history and the culture and all of that stuff. Um, really, really happy to see this happening. I remember the first time that I watched it, I was a bit underwhelmed. I think that I wanted more. Um, I feel a bit more charmed by it this time around, but it might be just the nostalgia hitting me and watching these in quick succession like this because the last time, you know, there's a bunch of anticipation. You have to wait and wait and wait and wait. And they started advertising the 100th episode maybe about three or four weeks prior to it premiering. And so it sort of like just, you know, amped you up and put all of these ideas in your head of what this was going to be. You you, you know, they started advertising that Diana Agron was coming back and that uh, Heather Morris was going to be returning and you'd be seeing other familiar faces that you hadn't seen in a while. And so I sort of like built up this gigantic episode, like the Infinity War of Glee or the end game of Glee, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it didn't necessarily pan out the way that I wanted. I guess I wanted a few more character moments. I wanted a few... I don't know. I'm glad that it was a two-parter. I also... Maybe I wanted it to be a little bit longer. Maybe I wanted a three-parter. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I uh, I like it a bit more this time around. But it's still not perfect in my eyes. 
Yeah, no, I think I'm with you as well. Um, not to you know spoil our slushy ratings right off the bat by uh, telling you that this might not be a perfect episode of Glee, but it. Uh, I think we had high expectations for it. We thought that you know this was going to be a party from start to finish, but as you get closer to the episode and you see that the Glee, like the new directions, are uh, falling apart and you know essentially not existent anymore as of the beginning of this episode. I mean, I guess you can reasonably expect that hmm, maybe by the end of this episode we'll have the new directions back and we'll all be happy and celebrating, but. You know, we uh, we're not too sure if that's going to be the case or not. So it just ends up being, you know, a lot of nostalgia with a lot of these people coming back. But it ultimately feels a little bit like there's just, you know, it's like we have the pieces all together, but I don't know that they did their best work mm-hmm. to create a coherent like event or storyline rather than just will uh, Mr. Schuster wanted us to all come back and uh, sing some old songs for a week. Like it didn't feel like there were enough stakes. The new kids not being involved in any way like I don't know that I love that. I think I would have enjoyed seeing, you know, definitely some old school performances or the, the like the OG kids doing their own numbers. But I would have I would have definitely not minded seeing Rachel and Marley sing together in person, you know, rather seeing, uh, I don't know, any of these pairs uh, together. We saw plenty of, you know, Jake mixed up with the dancing with Mike and Brittany. And that was that was, I guess, the little that I could have taken from mixing the groups. But uh, I don't know. I was looking for a little bit of more of that. And, you know, we'll talk along the way. But. Uh, yeah, and you you also mentioned about how, you know, when they started advertising, I think that they did it pretty early because I pulled up an article about and something I remember for sure. I don't know that if I don't know if I voted or not. Um, do you remember if you voted? Oh, yeah. You they, got to vote which songs they perform. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Yes, I have the article uh, or one of them up in front of me. Viewers were able to vote for 30 uh, from 30 songs previously performed on the show. And obviously we saw that six made it into the episode or actually five made it into the episode. Uh, I think eight were recorded. Seven were released or something like that is what I was what I was seeing. And then like only five made it onto the episode. Uh, Mm. Dog Days Are Over was recorded or was supposed to be done by Holly Holiday. But then they ended up switching it to Happy at the last second. So I'm not sure what that was all about. Um, do you want me to run down the list of them real quick? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so there's 30 songs. We have Bad Romance, Born This Way, Bust Your Windows, Defying Gravity, Dog Days Are Over, Don't Stop Believing, Dream On, Forget You, Get It Right, Gives You Hell, Hey Soul Sister, Imagine, Keep Holding On, Landslide, Lean On Me, Like a Prayer, Loser Like Me, My Life Would Suck Without You, Raise Your Glass, Roar, Safety Dance, Somebody to Love, Somewhere Only We Know. I'm so sad they didn't pick that. Uh, Sweet Caroline, Take a Bow, Telephone, Total Eclipse of the Heart, which I'm also uh, uh, toxic, Valerie, and We Are Young. So they did do Total Eclipse of the Heart. I know that they released that. I think uh, April sings that with Mr. Shu. Um, It's not as good as Jesse St. James and Rachel and Puck and Finnish. It's not. I wonder if this is lip service, you know? Was this just a vote to drum up hype? Or if they actually did take this seriously, because if they did, either it was lip service and the episode was still underwhelming, or they actually took this vote seriously and said that that sort of led to some of the heavy-handed writing that we saw in terms of the alumni. You know what I mean? Because if they if they had to, if they waited for the results to come in and then they had to write around some of these songs. I could understand why the episode probably wasn't to everyone's liking. But if they had just decided, you know what, we're the producers of the show, we're going to make the decisions, we know what the best songs and the highest selling songs of the of the series are, then, you know, we'll get to work right away and we'll put in all of these songs and we'll, you know, we'll... I, I feel like we would be a little bit more satisfied had they done it that way because sometimes 
not having an option is better. I mean, people get choice paralysis. You know what I mean? And I feel like when you, the moment yeah. you start giving America uh, some sort of hand in your in your production, that's when things can either sometimes it works out, a lot of the time it does not. So yeah, I wonder if maybe they had like you know the top ten songs were like the the top ten songs voted on them. Like maybe then production took the top you know whatever songs they wanted from that group to put onto the show. Um, you know, n- never can say for sure as reality TV fans how it works when the votes actually come in and you know how that all works out. But um, I think that all these songs make sense of how I would have easily seen. Each each one of these five songs that made it into the episode being songs that got voted on. Um, don't stop believing. I guess I would have been a little surprised not making it, but I don't know. That's that's one of the I main. I mean, we just heard it. I was surprised votes. they put that on there. Right. We just heard Santana sing it. Right. So that's what uh, Santana. Wait, what did you just don't say? Don't stop believing. Don't stop. Oh, believing? I, I, I don't know why my brain just made that into "Don't Rain on My Parade." <laughs> 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 no, uh, don't stop believing. I uh, we but we did just hear it in season four as Rachel did it, you know, in her audition. So I wouldn't right. be surprised if even if it did get the votes, they were like, eh, we don't need to do it back to back seasons. I'm sure it's going to happen again. Uh, but wait, it does happen in the next episode. <laughs> right. I forgot. <laughs> oh, yeah, happen, yeah. I forgot about that. I mean, you have to you just have to imagine. I feel like some I mean, I feel like there was I feel like it might be a little bit of half and half. Right. Where some of these songs they were going to put in there regardless of what the votes were going to do. And some of them, you know did make it in there because the fans threw so much support behind it. Um, mm-hmm. I did not vote. I remember not participating in these votes. I I don't really usually participate in fan votes like this because I'm always like, I don't give a damn that much. But I mean, I care, but like, I'm just going to, I just want the glee. I just want the episode. Just give me the glee and I'll be satisfied. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to, I don't need to have a hand in what's going on. I just need for the people to put it together. Yeah. And this is like another event where I, I know you talked about this at the end of season three, as we were singing, uh, uh, what's that song? Clap your hands, all it's all right. Um, my love is your love. There it is. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, oh, that's such a good. Like, it felt like such a fitting, like perfect ending kind of spot for them. Obviously, we didn't want the show to end there, but uh, this episode also had a similar feel of like everybody's back. We have time to like move with storylines, and you, like even if you didn't want to wrap up the whole show, obviously, but like there are a bunch of characters that are here that are essentially, you know, they're going to be in season six as well. But like, I don't know. I almost wonder if I wouldn't have minded if they ended up using this as an opportunity to say goodbye for good to some of those characters. I mean, I'm not like I would not that I would have been against them coming back for like those final episodes, that final performance in season six. But like, if we're not going to have much of Quinn and Puck and Mike Chang and I don't know whoever else, uh, you know, in season six, it would have been nice to maybe make this more specifically about them and like actually give them a good good goodbye. I know that they kind of do try to do something like that in these two episodes, but I don't know. We'll talk through this one and then the next one to see exactly how it landed for us. All right. Well, without further ado, I know all of you are like on the edge of your seats <laughs> to hear <laughs> this. I feel like this episode in particular is going to get a lot of downloads because I think that if there are any if there are any casual listeners of the choir room, which I'm sure there are, I have to imagine that there are a few people that only hop in for like the landmark episodes. And so I feel like this was this is gonna be one of them that are like, Yeah, like I wanna know what they gotta yes. think. <laughs> so let's get in on So it. no no pressure on us to uh to, <laughs> to get this all right. <laughs> we hope we yeah, we hope that you uh our Europeans line up with, with ours. And if they don't, you know, drag us in the comments. I don't give a damn, I can take it. We can't expect their opinions to line up with ours when ours never line up in the first place. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, like, I hope that like me, either I'm representing them or you're representing them. I know what you mean. Yeah. Or a mix of the both, or you know, this is a democracy here. Okay, this is this is a republic. 
I'm just but waiting for Amon to tell me that. Of all these uh, classic songs, that his favorite song is Happy at the end of the episode. But I'll, oh, uh, I'll let him tell that me that song. Later. I hate okay. that song. Whether it's the Pharrell version, the Glee version, any version. I hate that shit. Ugh. All right. It doesn't sound happy. The chord progression in the song is just like minor. Like I just, I, I've never understood that. That song just, ugh, no. Mm-mm. Pharrell, yeah, I, try I, again. I, I, no, I'm with you. That, <laughs> look at us already agreeing. We're off to such a good start. Uh, that song had its five minutes when it came out, and I was into it just like everybody else because it was a fun new beat on the radio. But it got really old really fast. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I hate that shit so much. <laughs> Since its inception, I mean, uh, shout out to Holly Holiday. I mean, she can make anything sound better, but she had a hard task. But whatever. Um, we're gonna start the episode off with uh, voiceovers from both uh, Rachel and Mercedes. Rachel first. Don't get me wrong. I know this is a sad day for McKinley, and that we've come back to reflect on everything the Glee Club has meant to us and Mercedes. But still, I figured they'd at least put up a poster saying, "Welcome back, Mercedes." I mean, look. No confetti, no red carpet, even though I called. I'm the biggest Broadway and recording star this school's ever produced. What the hell? Um, and then we're going to see the, in the choir room, uh, the rest of the kids are congratulating Rachel on all of her newfound success and about her burgeoning Broadway debut. Unique is talking to Mercedes about how she, can, he, she cannot wait um, until her album is going to drop. Uh, Rachel says to herself, I mean, come on, she wrote a couple of songs, big whoop. Mercedes says, so what? She got cast in a play as an annoying Jewish girl. <laughs> it's so condescending when she says play because she knows that it's a musical, but she's specifically calling it a little play. Go ahead and do a little play, girl. Like, it ain't, it ain't shit. Uh, as an annoying Jewish girl, what a surprise. Rachel says, it's only one way to assert my God-given superiority. Sit front and center in the Rachel chair. Both Mercedes and Rachel are going to eye the chair, eye each other, gun for the chair, and of course... Rachel gets it. I mean, it. there is, like, a bit of, uh, I mean, you're kind of, like, giving it away with, like, how much Rachel probably is, like, more of the star when you're saying it's the Rachel chair. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But fine. Could have called it, like, the soloist chair, the 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 VIP chair. I don't know. Yeah. Like, the, like the when you say Rachel chair, chair you're know. like, okay, well, then I guess we have our answer then. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> we, we know who's going to get it. It's her chair. As if Ryan Murphy would have ever let Mercedes take that seat. I know it wasn't gonna happen. It wasn't gonna happen, which is why, which is why I'm gl- I'm glad that she got this uh very funny line in there. Kurt's gonna see that there um there's some tension between the two of them. He's like greet each other. Mercedes is like hello, Rachel. I'm so happy to hear about all of your success. And Rachel very rather condescendingly isn't going to return uh the thrill of success for her, but say thank you so much, Mercedes. You are looking well. Mercedes says thank you. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll make my way to the back of the bus. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I mean, that's how it feels. Like, I mean, she gets everything. This girl she gets does. everything, okay? Even even a grand return. Like, uh, whatever. And the fact that all mm-hmm. the other kids specifically didn't sit there because they know that Rachel won that chair. I'm like, oh. I know. Like the seat was wide open. Everybody had their seats. People knew Rachel was back in in school for the day, and that was going to be her chair. And I don't. I mean, they <laughs> felt like no respect shown to Mercedes that nobody left her a chair wide open. They just assumed that she was going to go find whatever was left over, which makes a lot of sense based on how this Glee Club has gone over the years. So nothing back has changed. Of the bus. <laughs> I kind of want to make that the tip the episode title, but that's a little bit too incendiary. So I'll mm-hmm. I won't do it. But it's funny. I enjoy it. Mr. Shu is talking about how it has been about 
100 lessons. And like you said, Matt, I don't know how... Uh, how I do have the number. Uh, according to the Glee Wikipedia page uh, on the, the Glee Wiki, not the actual Wikipedia, it says that this is the 74th lesson. Um, but they have a little note that says it is possible that there were more lessons that we just did not see on the show. But uh, That's this is true. the 74th actual lesson. That's true. I always make that point when people are like when it when it comes to like books or movies or TV shows. I'm like, we don't see everything like these are stories that, you know, only have like the most important in essential moments told like not every like we didn't we don't see them in 100% of the day of schools that they're in you know what i mean so i guess that you sound sense. like a you sound like a former big brother player coming out of the house i mean <laughs> i mean and even then they're they're right too like we don't see everything that goes on in that house that those cameras are only on two rooms at a time where other yeah. people are still around the house talking so you never know what we kind of miss mm-hmm. so i know but yeah all of the kids are back we've got marley uh we've got marley's back (laughs) we've got marley we've got tina we've got jake Artie, sam puck uh i was about to say finn oh my goodness kurt quinn blaine mercedes rachel mike chang santana Brittany, Ryder, unique and kitty all together everybody's here not a single person is missing besides, you know, like the obvious, like the Joe Sugar Rory, if you want to count those people. But no, this is a, uh, you know, they, they were only bringing back the people that, uh, you know, were like the main, main characters. No offense to the people that I just mentioned. But um, uh, yeah, uh, and, if, and you, you know, you, you mentioned Finn, but Finn does get brought up here as uh, Puck wanted mm-hmm. Finn's plaque. Of course, uh, he makes a comment. He's like, when we clear this place out, can I take the plaque home? I'm like, Puck, you know that Rachel, like, you know, up a, a row ahead of you is the one who got the plaque in the first place. Like, why wouldn't she keep it? Um, but no, Will's going to be like, no, the plaque is staying here. You know, Lillian and Finn, their plaques belong here at McKinley. Um, we are, probably could talk about this now, maybe a little bit at the end as well. But I don't know what I make of them grouping these two characters together so much when we don't know shit about Lillian Adler besides, like, a couple of little stories here from Will. Like... I don't know for like the, and this might honestly be the first time I'm ever thinking about it, but like Finn and his plaque being there obviously represents so much to these kids and to us as fans. So to have him like grouped in with Lillian Adler, who is a character that we don't know at all, I feel like it would have been a lot more sentimental and uh, whatever to us to just, you know, like not to like ignore Lillian Adler and like, you know, no offense, may she rest in peace. Uh, we just don't know anything about her. She's not a character on the show. She's just, you know, I, I don't know. It just it, it feels like we could have just been focusing on Finn's plaque. I don't know if that's insensitive. I don't know if. I mean, I don't have a problem with it because I don't know. I don't know if they were equating Finn with her. I just think that, um, I mean, Mr. Shu has brought her up plenty of times to the Glee Club throughout the past four seasons. Um, And she's always sort of like been this figure of like the essence of Glee. You know what I mean? We even get to see her in season six um, for the, I think for the, I don't know if it's for the first time, but uh, we we get to see her in season six, so she's already she's always sort of been like this nebulous character that's sort of like been the the essence of Glee. So I think that the point that he was trying to make was this is sort of like, I mean, it's sort of like what Rachel said back in season four during the breakup. This place is sort of like our Jerusalem, all roads lead back to here, and I feel like that's sort of like what Finn will represent for the newer generation. Whereas Lillian was like for the older ones, for you know, for Mister Shu, Finn is now that for all of you guys because he touched. Yeah, of course he's a little bit more closer with the alumni, but he also la- left a lasting impact on 
the next generation of kids. So mm-hmm. I think that's the point that he's trying to make. And so that he belongs here at McKinley and not with any single one of them specifically. Yeah, definitely don't disagree. I just, uh, just the fact, like I said, that we don't really get to know her very well or anything like that. I get that, you know, we, we get the idea of who she is and what she represents. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm, uh, maybe I'm just being a little selfish as, uh, you know, somebody who's, uh, you know, as, as fans at the time and you're missing Finn and you're, you know, happy to see his face up on the wall. It just feels like, like I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if there were fans that were like that didn't see those episodes or didn't remember those episodes and they were like who is Lillian like what is who is Finn whatever but I mean minor such a minor detail sorry for going on a tangent about it no I mean I think it's an interesting point um Mr. Shu's gonna tell them you know thank you guys for coming back to McKinley to celebrate the past few years to sit in this classroom one last time and sing your assignment is to sing one of the songs we sang in here but reinvented in some way uh, way back in the old days when i started glee club i would give an assignment and then i would give a little demonstration of what i was looking for which excites all the kids uh santana's like you guys cheer now but then wait till he starts rapping but he says no hip-hop today but i have brought in a special person you know someone that you know we all appreciate and who helped save the glee club when we needed the auditorium way back when so please welcome miss april rhodes Kristen Chenoweth is back, back, back again. This is her first performance since, uh, I think, Rumors in uh, season two. So it's been quite a quite a while since we've seen Miss April Rhodes. Uh, everyone's excited mm-hmm. to see her. The new kids don't really know her, but of course all the alumni do. Tina tells Marley that uh, she helped her sneak a bunch of produce out of a store with her vagina. <laughs> so she is she's back. Really excited to see her. Yes, we, uh, you know, back in seasons one and two, we had some of these guest stars popping in throughout more often. And now that we've kind of slowed down on guest stars, we've had plenty, you know, throughout the way. Uh, Chris, Cassandra July last season and Isabel Wright, of course, uh, coming through. And, uh, you know, it's it's been pretty consistent with having people around. But, uh, you know, once we kind of got away from uh, April Rhodes and uh, Holly Holiday, I feel like we, I don't know, I don't know if they lost their numbers or anything. I'm sure they didn't, obviously, because they still have them here. But um, they they took a little bit of a break from them. Uh, seasons three and four, they kept them out of lo- out of the loop. And now that we're returning back to uh, a lot of the old school feels, uh, season one, season two vibes, uh, we're getting them back in here. So only starting with Miss uh, Broadway Queen herself, April Rhodes. So very happy to see her back. She's uh, such this. It's such a fun character, and I wish that she would have been on a couple more episodes just because of that fun energy that she brings. Like, she's not a guest star that I think could ever get stale, but it's a guest star, so, you know, who knows what her availability was. Just happy to see her at all. Yeah, she's catching up with the kids. I guess she brought some non-alcoholic sparkling cider. She says, so, Mr. Moneybags says to me, he says, April Rhodes, you sing like an angel and make love like a tiger, but the old ball and chains got your number, so I'm afraid I got to set you loose. So you know what he did? He bought me an island. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I own my own island in the Caribbean called Santa April Del Rio. It's not war-torn or filled with landslides or got destitute locals in it. Just me and my man, Servant Kadeem, with long sensuous nights full of homebrewed poire and intimate massage okay thank you rapel for that wonderful lesson in female <laughs> empowerment but Ari's like okay well why are we holding all of these champagne flutes because well that's because we got a cork with some bubbly and don't worry the spumante is version probably like you will be for a very long time and she points to mercedes or mercedes oh my god wow that was racist okay britney <laughs> okay, she points britney. to unique <laughs> 
Oh my god. <laughs> the racism is contagious. See? It's not it's not it's not you're not born with it. It's taught. It's crazy. Um <laughs> But yeah, um she wants to uh give the ch- give them a chance to raise their glass and uh pay tribute to one of the best songs that New Directions ever did. But Blaine is going to be like, uh no, yeah. actually, the <laughs> Warbler is saying that, which, of course, you know, April would be the one to fuck that up, considering that she's a big raging alcoholic. I mean, who's to, who's to know? They're at the same competitions. Like, maybe April came and watched that performance and we just didn't see her in the crowd. And she heard Raise Your Glass and she had a great time jamming along to the Warbler's number and just assumed it was the New Directions. Um, you know. Hard to blame her, but exactly. at least she uh, <laughs> she had she had you know the right idea. She had the right intentions uh, in her heart, and you know of course Blaine's gonna call her out on it. But whatever, uh, she's like I always did have a soft spot for you prep school boys, and she grabs his nose and goes honk, <laughs> hit it boys. We'll be going to this performance of uh, right, right. Turn off Raise the Your Glass. We're gonna lose our minds tonight. What's the dealio? <laughs> I love when it's all too much. 5 a.m. Where's the... Um, I could probably keep going on that one. I don't know why. Um, it's uh, Raise Your Glass. <laughs> April Will Schuster uh, jumps in there as well. And then, of course, all of the kids just doing some very... like Just think about how small that set is. Like Not that it's tiny, but the amount of people that were added into that room for that day and they're all you know trying to do some dancing all around uh you know they get up on the risers at one point and like they all line up and you see that there's like a solid 20 people in there and then they come down marching with their glasses and it's like they they made it work for the little space that they had i mean you could have seen them like moving to a different area but either way um fine with the performance you get some mike and jake dancing early on with will as we uh you know i I think i mentioned already and then some unholy trinity in there uh nice to see the three of them together for the first time not the last time in this episode got like jake and Ryder lifting up april roads i'm like they just met her but okay uh we're all having a good time yeah it was a lot of fun uh to see april get lifted up i mean chris and jenna with such a small woman <laughs> so <laughs> she's always being uh lifted and thrown and just all sorts of stuff so it was really uh it was really fun to see her do this and it's such an interesting song for chris and jenna with the same because i mean I mean, she's a Broadway legend at this point, so you don't really get a chance to see her sing some pop. So it was nice to see her um, in this in this new element of uh, some pink. Yeah, and while I do, I fully agree. I mean, this was a fun song to get things going with, but we saw what April Rhodes can do back with uh, Rachel in season one. With yeah. uh, what song am I thinking of? Maybe uh, this time. I- Maybe this time. Like, there are so many songs that could have been redone with April that could have been like this. Like, redo that performance. Like, if you have her on set, Kristen Chenoweth is here on set. Come on, let me hear the power vocals. Like, let me hear. I, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't need like the, pop. the uh, Totally Clips of the Heart, which they did record. Yeah. I, and I, honestly, I don't know. Like, genuinely don't know that I've ever heard it. Like, I, I see uh, on the on the wiki as well that, yeah, that does exist. And, you know, I, uh, I, have to go listen to it afterwards. Maybe I have heard it and I'm just not forgetting, but it doesn't sound familiar to me. It's not, it's not bad. I mean, I, I feel like I ragged on it a bit earlier. It's not bad, but you know, I, I'm just so used to the, uh, I'm just so charmed by the Rachel version that I'm just like, ah, mm-hmm. I'm a little, I'm a, I think I'm partial to that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, but yeah, we'll I mean, I, have, I agree uh, with you entirely though. I feel like, yeah, I mean, if you're going to bring Kristen Chenoweth back, you gotta give her 
at least give her a solo. I don't know. I mean, I guess this kind of is part. It's kind of a solo. Not really, though. I don't know. I don't know. I just. Eh, it I was just. Yeah, it was just here. Ra- April's back. Let's all have a good time. Right. And, uh, I mean, raise your glasses. Literally, you know, a uh, a song that just makes too much sense for her character. So. I mean, they are kind of they kind of blow through these songs too. I mean, I think you get mm-hmm. like eight minutes into the episode, and we already get three songs, and this is just one of them. Um, yeah. But moving on in uh, to the hallway, um, we got another voiceover from Puck, and he said, "I was the saw. That's what they called me. I sliced through the school." And I'm like, "Did they ever call him the saw? When? 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 What was this?" Apparently, that was a real life nickname for Mark Salling. I read. Okay, that's cute. Leave it out of the script, okay? <laughs> I sliced through this school like, well, like a saw. Dude got in my way, sawed him. Said my slice on a chick, sawed her. It would have been like a horror movie if I wasn't so awesome. But that's but that guy's gone now. I have a purpose to defend our great country with my superior air power. I don't look back. The past is dead to me, except for maybe just one thing. And, of course, he's looking over at um, Quinn, who's going to come up to him. They greet each other. Puck asks her how she feels about his uniform. She's like, it looks nice, but it looks a little itchy. But she does think that he looks rather handsome. She's like, yeah. Uh, he's like, I've got this. You've got, look, you've got this newfound confidence about you. She, um, she asks him, do you know what song you're going to sing for Glee Club? He says, I'm not sure, but maybe we could go to Breadsticks, you know, mall some potentials. And this new guy is going to come up and interrupt the conversation. And, you know, he's with Quinn. So who else would it be? but a new boyfriend. His name is Biff McIntosh. Uh, Puck is like, like the apple, and apparently uh, Biff's family or his ancestors owned like the first McIntosh tree orchard or some shit like that. Basically, he's old money. He's got money. He's a prep, you know, preppy school, you know, mama's boy who calls his mother mother, all sorts of shit like that. In any case, he is going to... Uh, have plans with Quinn later on so she cannot attend Breadsticks solely with Puck. Yes, uh, Quinn, you know, she's always kind of uh, in and out of, you know, a consistent storyline to say the least. Uh, so, you know, sometimes she's like, I don't need nobody. I don't need no man. Then uh, next thing you know, she's back, you know, season four, she's dating her college professor. And uh, that leads to a couple slaps back and forth with her and Santana over the uh, discussion that came out of that. And now here she is in season five. You know, she uh, left the college professor by the end of season four when her and Santana decided they were going to do some experiment or at least Quinn decided she was going to do some experimenting um and now here we are in season five she's back with a new guy and this guy is very much not her uh you know not the uh the ideal guy that you would want to see quinn with obviously he seems like a bit of a tool uh to probably put it nicely uh the guy his his family owns the the first macintosh farm whatever the for the place they were first planted in Pennsylvania, like get out of here. Uh, what a tool. But he, uh, yeah, Quinn's obviously very, uh, very into him or into something about him. And, uh, that's all, that's all we really need to know right now. So obviously Puck isn't too happy to, uh, see what's going on here, but not much he can do yet. Yeah. He seems like a total tool bag. Like, okay. Like your parents are rich. You got all the opportunities in the world you feel like your life has to be cookie cutter and you know he probably wants to like run for mayor for president one day i'm just like okay i've seen this and i've had enough already like the name biff what the hell is that name some bullshit biff biff it is some caucasity that's what it is (laughs) 
What fine, whatever. Sure, Quinn, whatever uh, gets your rocks off. We're going to check in with Brittany later on. She's um, sequestered herself in this classroom trying to solve the Raymond hypothesis. Santana's going to walk in and ask, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, who's forcing you to do this? Of course, it's her colleagues at MIT. It turns out that she has, like, the most gifted mathematical mind in a generation. We're going to get a cutaway scene of um, their, of her, like, with a bunch of, like, wires hooked up to her brain. They ask her, Miss Pierce, what's 5,752,000,000 divided by 958,715,548? She's like, I don't know, six? <laughs> of course, that's the correct answer. <laughs> Um, she's like, I just wish I could go back to my old life where all I wanted to do was take care of Lord Tubbington and scissor you and make out and all that stuff. I just wish I wasn't a mathematical genius anymore. And Santana's like, okay, so we just need to remind you of who you really are. How about we just reunite a little threesome? Cut to the unholy trinity performing toxic. Toxic, yes, the Unholy Trinity. Uh, time to reunite them. This is, you know, not only Quinn's first episode back in a while, but Brittany's been gone since the end of season four. You know, she went off to have her goodbye episode in that very uh, ep- last episode of season four. Uh, we haven't seen her once in season five yet. She's been off at MIT. We see what she's been doing, like just being a genius and everybody's putting so much pressure on her and she hasn't been able to be creative at all. They don't have a glee club at MIT. Uh, you know, and even if they do, they're not going to let her go because they think she's some genius and needs to spend all of her time doing this brain work um this is not the direction that britney's character ever made sense to go in but um let's run with it why not it's it's funny uh i think so yeah but we go into this performance of toxic which is just beyond iconic whatever that level beyond iconic is of these three girls back together again as santana said last time or quinn said like they pick up right where they left off every time doesn't take any effort to just get them back together performing i don't know if this is awkward for santana because now she's slept with both of them um but <laughs> yeah i was surprised that that didn't come up at all like what a what a pal what a gal pal she really is for not bringing that up because i thought for sure during the breadstick scene that she was gonna you know at least allude to it but nope she kept her, yeah. she kept her mouth shut yeah no we'll slip right past it for now but yeah this performance is just like I said, beyond iconic. It's it's toxic. That was originally, of course, performed by uh, the entire New Directions with um, Brittany and Will, right? Yeah, uh, that were like leading the way. I think it was yeah, with assembly. Lauren Zeissy is about to have a whole like sexually frustrated conniption. Mm-hmm. Yes. I really wish that Lauren was in this episode. I always wish that Lauren was in the episodes. But yeah, she, uh, the girls are in the choir room in their Cheerios uniforms, but they're also, I guess, you know, kind of, uh, whether it's a fantasy or whatever it is, I mean, it's probably a lot of people's fantasy. Uh, the three of them are out on the stage uh, in these, like, in this big set, this big giant set that's got them in three separate boxes, and they're performing the song uh, with, you know, a bunch of light effects going on, and it just is the Unholy Trinity, like, Pro maybe their most iconic performance. I mean, it's definitely up there. Uh, not that there's like a whole million to choose from, but I mean, it's this or I say a little prayer, right? Uh, and I feel like a lot of people would probably go this way. I don't know. Uh, say a little you know, prayer. Sound off in the comments. What else? I mean, they really are. They're really on a lot. I don't know why. Yeah. You. We, I don't know why I always feel like there's a shit ton of them, but they really aren't. I just think that because no, we the love one they them do in so season much. four. Yes, come see about me. I love come see about me. It's a, it's an unholy trinity deep cut. <laughs> I'm the hipster <laughs> of the unholy trinity fan club. I'm like the one that's like, no, it's totally about. It's like, come see about me. It's underrated, bitches. 
No, it's definitely good. I, I've uh, appreciated it more uh, rewatching it, especially with all the praise you had for it. But yeah, this performance is so good. Um, if only that, you know, Quinn's boyfriend here, Mr. Biff uh, McIntosh was paying attention. But no, he is uh, texting through the entire performance. And by the end of it, everybody's clapping for him, but uh, for not for him, for, for them, except uh, I mean, well, no, even Biff is clapping as well, but he wasn't paying attention. Uh, April Rhodes is going to hit him and be like, oh, so what'd you think of that, Mr. Pretty McPimple Butt? <laughs> Oh, I thought it was uh, very uh, energetic. And Mike Chang's like, you were texting the whole fucking time. But of course, you know, she's gonna, Quinn's gonna swoop in here to save her man. Oh, he's very busy. He's like captain of like the secret society water polo team or some shit. I don't know. Like some secret Nazi. The the busy president of of the busy society of busy people at Yale. He's just so busy. (laughs) Exactly. he can't be bothered, and you hate to see it for He's Quinn. You really so do. I mean, busy being busy that he won't have time to be busy later on, so he has to be busy now. Yes. You, you hate to see it for Quinn. I mean, this is already a guy that you can tell right off the bat, right after meeting him, that this is no uh, n- nobody that's like good for Quinn to be with. And then as this is going on, it's like, all right, this sucks. This really sucks. Get her out of there. But no, she like doubles down on it. She's like, no, 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 no. He's just he's really important. Things are great, blah, blah, blah. And she comes up to him and, you know, he's like, oh, you were great. And she's like, oh, thank you. And, you know, they embrace. So she's obviously into this guy. Way, way more into her, into him than she is, that than he is into her, unfortunately. And it reeks. It reeks. Santana checks in with Britney after the performance. It's like, oh, so how does that feel? Like, don't, don't you like, you know, don't you miss this? And she's like, no, like, I, I, I was, I was bad. Like, I, I didn't, didn't do, do too well. I was like, off by one sixteenth of a seventh step. And Santana's like, girl, you were great. Like, get that math shit out of here. Um, she's like, no, I have to focus on what I'm good at, and that's. Um, uh, like mathematical equations and if there's still time left in the day uh, hosting my very popular online internet show so <laughs> here we go Britney's in the episode of course so we gotta get a fondue for two hello America I'm Brittany S. Pierce and fondue for two has been on hiatus because as it turns out I'm a genius. Tonight's guests are two of McKinley's most famous non-mathematical geniuses, Mercedes Jones and Rachel Berry. Question, Rachel. Yes. You're currently rehearsing for the lead role in a Broadway musical. You're also working full-time as a singing waitress at a diner and enrolled full-time as a student at Niada. That's correct. Would you agree that it's slightly irresponsible for you to leave New York for an entire week for no other reason than the Glee Club's been canceled? Uh, and where are the lies going to stop? You don't even live in New York. I'm not even sure you've even been to New York. Brittany, we've been to New York together. Don't change the subject. <laughs> um, Rachel's <laughs> going to ask, are your cats making out? We're going to see Lord and Lady Tubbington indeed making out on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. Um, Mercedes, how would you like to respond to the rumors that you're a really good dancer? But you hid the fact the entire time you were in glee clubs when Mr. Shu would allow you to, quote, park and bark. Uh, no comment. This is obviously alluding to the fact that Mercedes, or Amber Riley in particular, just won uh, Dancing with the Stars at the time. So they're like, wow, like she was doing all that shit on uh, Dancing with the Stars and wasn't doing that shit on Glee? Okay, interesting. Taking notes. <laughs> anyway, Brittany asked the both of them, do you guys know what song you're going to sing for Mr. Shu's last assignment? Uh, Mercedes and Rachel both answer, Defying gravity. 
Rachel's like, what? You can't sing that song. Like, Kurt and I are going to do uh, sing it together, um, but we're going to switch parts so that I can belt out the high note at the end. And Rachel's like, okay, well, or Mercedes is like, well, he asked us to reinvent the song, and you plan on doing the exact same thing. And Rachel's like, okay, you know what? How about we just settle this the old-fashioned way? A diva off? Oh, hell to the yes. Game on. So here we go again yes. with this bullshit. So what made uh, Mercedes think that it's a good idea to pick a song that wasn't, you know, that was Rachel and Kurtz to begin with? Not saying that she had, you know, that she can't do it by any means, but like, I don't know. I feel like I would have thought it was risky to go after a song that like is like one that Rachel's done before. Um, but then again, I mean, she's like, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Like, you know, it's not well, like she should have Mr. Shu said you're supposed to reinvent it. And like, Ra- what is Rachel going to do to that song to reinvent it? Right. Mercedes right. can reinvent it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think maybe I'm just like, you know, if Mercedes wants to stay out of the drama and not get involved in any like Rachel drama for the week, then like staying away from a Rachel song that's been in the past would be the best move. But that's not Mercedes' style. Like she's like going to go out there and if she wants to kill a song, she's going to go do it on her own and fuck what Rachel thinks. So yeah, I forget that, you know, forget that thought. But uh, either way, uh, of course, Rachel wants to do, uh, you know, this, this is typical Rachel who wanted to sing Don't Rain in My Parade for, you know, every audition and every single song that she, you know, every opportunity that she had because it was the one that she knew best so of course she's going to go back and try to do defying gravity all over again like she did don't stop believing again like this girl sticks to what she knows yeah um those cats were really making out they really were like i wonder what they did to make them do that (laughs) (laughs) like did they like put like like peanut butter or something on each of their noses like what the fuck like i have no idea uh i britney uh britney can live her life and her cat's life as uh they choose to I'm just I'm just glad we had Fondue for two. I'm just glad that Lady Tubbington isn't like gone because I mean we only see her once when Sam gives her to Brittany, like never again. So I'm glad that like Yeah. They're still around. <laughs> she's still having a she's still I mean, with uh Brittany gone at MIT, like there's plenty of room in that bedroom. So mm-hmm. um uh, I guess that Brittany's parents, who we have still yet to meet, they will uh will meet them at some point, are uh are taking care of them. <laughs> so fucking stupid. Are your cats making out? What the fuck? Is that Rachel's first <laughs> appearance on uh, Fondue for Two? Mercedes has definitely been there before with Tina. My gut says no. I feel like she brought her there once before saying, like, you're the most hated girl in the Glee Club. Oh, you know what? She right? might have done that. Fondue for Two, guess. Was it during the episode when when she tried to get Brittany to, like, wear her shit? That might have been it. Are you bringing okay, it up? Okay, guess. Oh, no, Rachel's only been on once. She's had Mercedes on twice, Tina Cohen-Chang on once, Lord Tubbington, Jesse St. James. Uh, oh, implied. I don't know what that means. Marley, Kitty, Will, and Sue, Santana, Rachel. And there's one more, but I'll, I won't spoil it. All right. Well, okay. Fondue for two. Stan. Fondue Stream for it. two. Stream it. On all platforms available. All right. Um, we're going to head over to Breadsticks. Uh, Quinn and Biff are being a bunch of, uh, you know, fake-ass lovebirds. Biff is just like, uh, I, I want to know you, Quinn. I love you. And Quinn's like, I just can't believe you came back here. I'm so happy. This makes everything so much more real. Um, like, what do you want to know? I'll tell you everything about me. He's like, I, you know, I really do want to get to know the real you, but, like, I want to know your friends, too. So he's like, okay, hey, guys, come over here. I'm going to see uh, Santana. Artie, no, wait, Artie there? Yeah, Artie's there. Santana, Artie, Puck, and Mike Chang are also at Breadstick. So he calls them over, and he's going to ask them to tell him about Quinn. Santana's like, oh, hey, so I know that you're, the word on the street is that you're old money. I mean, I'm a lesbian, but I'm totally into that. (laughs) 
And once the introductions are all over, they're going to just go to start kind of like going to town about Quinn. Uh, Mike says that, oh, yeah, she's always changing you. Like, you never know what she's going to do. One time she, like, dyed her hair. Uh, she got a Ryan Seacrest, tattoo, Ryan Seacrest tattoo on, like, on her lower back. All of this stuff. She lit a purple piano on fire. And she, he's like, hold on a second. But uh, Quinn's like, oh, they're messing with you. They're messing with you. Actually, you know what? Um, I left my purse in the car. Could you actually go and get it for me? There's like a few lady things that I need. Um, and so he excuses himself from the table. Uh, he leaves to go get her, get her, go get her shit. And Paka's like, "Why, like Quinn? What the fuck are you doing? Like, why are you with this guy?" Quinn's like, "Look, like his family is in really good. They're like Philadelphia old mainline society money, which like I have personal experience with. That those people are the rich. Okay, they're rich. Um, uh, and I just, you know, if I can get in with that, then I, then I am set." But they're like, Quinn, he doesn't even know who you are. You know what I mean? Like, how are you hiding? How are you hiding the, the tattoo? Like, magic? And she's like, oh, I pay a friend of mine to, like, cover it with, like, three layers of makeup. Puck asks, does he know about her being a mom, about Beth, about them? He, she's like, I'll tell him when I'm ready. But right now, like, I just need him to see me in a certain way. So Quinn is up to her usual antics. Yeah, again, disappointing to see that she's uh, just giving her all to this guy who is nothing but a bag of money and, you know, uh, a rich family, uh, something, you know, a guy that'll get her in perfectly so that she has a perfect life set up to just be, you know, the uh, the wife to the rich boy. Like, there's nothing, you know, nothing glamorous about this life, but it seems to be something she's satisfied with. Look, she's always been fine to uh, leave Ohio behind. If she has to leave her friends behind as well, that's fine with her. Uh, and then, you know, go start her perfect life and never look back like this lines up with a lot of the uh, prom queen prom, uh, you know, whatever the prom queen stuff that she was going for in all those years where like she didn't care about anything else besides having that crown on her head. So, I mean, I, this is along a similar line, but I really thought we had gotten over that. So yeah. sad to see that it's not the case, but at least for now, uh, it does seem to be. But look, she's spending some time with her friends uh, of, you know, the the people that were by her side for years and years. And, you know, it, it is almost like she forgot that she had a child and until Puck kind of reminds her about it. I mean, I'm, yeah, of course, she didn't forget. But like, you know, there's so much more that has gone on in her life. And it really does, does, I guess, take being around her friends, being around these people to kind of remind her of who she is and uh, the fact that she doesn't have to go back to being, uh, you know, who she kept thinking that she was supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, going to Yale and then being surrounded by all those preppy people, because, you know, I mean, of course, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the uh, the population of Yale isn't 100% uh, assholes, but I'm sure, like, there's a bunch of high society people that attend Yale, so without her friends being there to be that positive influencer in her life, it's easy to see how she could have just gone back into you know, being pressured into, you know, the optics of everything and trying to, you know, be the best and the brightest. And, you know, so, I mean, whatever floats your boat, girl. I mean, he seems like, a, like it seems like a life of oppression for me, but if that's what you need, sure. I mean, he's going to find out about that fucking tattoo eventually. Or maybe not. Maybe he's the type to, like, have sex with his clothes on. He seems like he's a psychopath, so never mind. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> No, Quinn, Quinn, uh, Quinn, Quinn likes to have a good time. I don't think she would have let that fly. But then again, if he said know. no, she certainly would. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter update. Quinn is all excited about another man defining her life. And what are you excited about? Shaking pom-poms in Kentucky? I mean, really, you want everybody to think that you're such a badass, but really, you're just a girl who's just too frightened to chase her dreams oh did professor patches teach you that one in between quickies on his office couch does he get so turned on by teen moms that don't even visit their kid 
That, I feel like there needs to be some sound effect like before and after that of like uh, <laughs> where we just went back to and now where we are again here now. We're still here, guys. We're episode 100. <laughs> uh, I love that scene so much. So, so much. Meanwhile, at the school, uh, April and Will are going to come up to Sue and be like, look, I got money, Sue. And actually, that contract, when I bought this auditorium, clearly states that as long as I am providing funds for it, then I get to say who performs there. So, mm, look at that. Um, Mr. Shoes, like, sounds like the Glee Club is saved for another year. And uh, Mr. Uh, Sue Sylvester's like, okay, well, hold on. Let me have my team review this. Like, what fucking team? What team? Like, y'all barely can afford toilet paper at the damn school. What team are you talking about? Becky. <laughs> She's like, let me have my team look over this, and we'll hold off on any official announcements until then. Mr. Shoe and April leave. And she calls Becky over and look, we got to get to the bottom of this. Something fishy is going on. But it looks like uh, Miss uh, April Rhodes might be able to swoop in and save the day one more time. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe this time. What did Becky we'll say? Be something, something, uh, being being totally gay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Becky. Uh, Queen Becky. Um, yes. So this would be nice. I mean, of course, uh, it's, it's like a really convenient that they were able to get Kristen Chenoweth back for this episode and, you know, bring back in that storyline because, yeah, uh, the April Rhodes Civic uh, Pavilion is still that. The auditorium is still funded by her. She bought it for them so that they were able to, you know, continue having a place to rehearse back way back when. And, uh, you know, as far as we know, that's what she's saying that, you know, she's like, I'm still making payments towards it. I'm still, you know, funding that myself. And if you want to start paying for it yourself, then I guess this is a different story. And Sue's like, you know, you know, we can't do that. Like, the school doesn't have money. The budget has gone to shit. And I'm trying to fix that ever since Ficken's Left. But, you know, uh, I guess if you're, you know, I mean, you might have a point there. If you're the one funding it, then I'll have to look into it. And uh, that's what, you know, that's where Becky, as her team, comes in to review things. Becky's probably just sitting there as like a sounding board. So as Sue goes through everything she's doing as her one woman team, Becky's just there to support her. Be like, yeah, coach, keep going, coach. You're, you'll find something, coach. <laughs> you better research, bitch. Yes. Yes. <laughs> find the Oh, flaw. snap. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, back in the Glee Club, uh, Mr. Shoes like, I wish this wasn't about competition, but it looks like you guys, you know, can't help yourselves. So we're going to have this diva off and then you guys get to vote on who you think de- uh, deserves to be the Glee Club's premier diva. And Santana's like, wait, so we have to listen to Kurt shred this note again? <laughs> and he's like, for the millionth time, I did it on purpose. But I digress. Kurt... Santana, excuse me, Kurt, Mercedes, and Rachel are going to sing Defying Gravity each separately, and all the kids are going to vote. Once again, we get another rendition of Defying Gravity. Yeah, um, I've I've had mixed feelings about this version as we go uh, in past years or whatever. I think that I, I, I like it. Um, I think... I know you are not a fan of the Glee version of Defying Gravity. I don't know. The you pop can tell, version. Uh, tell us in a second. Glee cover yeah, of the pop uh, version. You can tell us in a second, I guess, how you feel about the version now that Mercedes is included in on it. But um, I, I think I enjoy it. I mean, it's not I, I feel like I don't know. I feel like the original kind of always is going to end up being my favorite of the two. Um, maybe at the end of this episode, we'll also pick like which version we like better. If there's any of these versions that beat out the original. I'm not sure if they will, but we'll see. Well, some of them might. Whatever. Point being, I enjoyed this performance. Kurt hits the note. Blaine goes wild for him, uh, or at least he attempts to hit a uh, one of the notes similar to the one, even though he doesn't have the exact same note that you know they want the girls wanted. Um, and yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, April is gonna 
tell them that that song should be on Broadway. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I feel like I've been beaten. I've been beaten down into liking it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've been beaten into submission because <laughs> they won't stop performing it. So, yeah, sure, fine. Mercedes definitely reinterpreted the song for sure, with giving it a little bit more of an R and B ish soulful type flair, whereas. Kurt and Rachel pretty much did the exact same thing that they did the last time, with the exception of Kurt actually hitting the note. Which, of course, Blaine is going to be like, yes, queen! <laughs> like, prove those bitches wrong. Everybody else was underwhelmed. Everybody else was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, well, half the, half the people in the room didn't know, weren't there. That was like two years before they even got to the school. So they're like, okay, whatever. Or at least two years before they joined the club. But, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, it was that cool. Song was sang with, that song was saying with Matt Rutherford in the room. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but yeah, sure, fine, okay, cool. Yeah, it was it was fine. Uh, no, it was it was a good performance. So uh, my question know, here now, is: Kurt is Kurt allowed to be voted for? Like, is this a diva no, off between the three a, of them, the or is it just the two of them? No, just the two of them. It was a diva off between the two of them, but Kurt was involved in the number as well. Uh, Kurt and so uh, he Kurt was just Blaine there to really prove that he could sing the backseat in this episode. He was just there so that he could uh, be with Rachel and do the song that they were doing all over again, just with the added Mercedes and not just replacing him out of the song. He knows better than to try to go up and compete against Rachel again. Uh, not knows I mean, better he, he as in won. like he thinks he's going to lose. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. No, I'm not. I'm saying he, not that he thinks he's going to lose. He knows it's not worth it because of the competition, like breaks friendships with her um, and because he already won and he's already beat her. So he doesn't need to do it again. He's just uh, there for the ride. Okay. Well, Needless to say, they want to get to the vote immediately after, but Mr. Shu's going to be like, okay, look, 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 hold up. How about we just let everybody have a day, and then we'll come back, and we'll vote tomorrow, and then we'll, you know, we'll just decide from there. So, we're going to wait. Later on, the next day, we're going to see Brittany out in the courtyard playing chess with the chess club <laughs> as chess pieces. Santana's like, what the hell are you doing? She said, the chess club has helped me recreate the historic 1972 World Championship between Bobby Fischer and Boris Spassi. And it's the only creative outlet I have now that my life is one never-ending math equation. And Santana's like, Brittany, like, come on. This is not you. You love to dance. You love to sing. You love performing in Glee Club. Now you're out here playing fucking wizard's chess. Like, what the hell are you doing? How about we do a number together? Um, Brittany's like, no, those days are over. This is my life now. So she's she's just not having it. It's uh, my life. It's now or never. <laughs> no, this isn't. This isn't you, Brittany. You love to dance. Come on, come on. Um, I I think I appreciate. Like I said, the the storyline for Brittany in this episode. It's like you know we're we sent her off to go be this genius, and now we're you know kind of helping her rediscover her passion for dancing. But throughout this episode, my issue, I guess, is just the fact that there are so many different storylines happening at once. Like there is no time for Kurt and Blaine. Like I was just talking about. Like it's just there's so much for so many different characters to be doing, and uh, they're trying to squeeze in a whole thing about Quinn, a whole thing about uh, Will and April, and a whole thing about Brittany here. And it's like uh, Rachel and and uh, Ra- Rachel and Mercedes. There's just no time for all of it to be fleshed out as well as you would have liked. So you kind of just have to take the quick hits, quick hits and, uh, you know, hope for the best for them. I mean, I don't know where Brittany and Santana have been in their lives for a while. Like uh, Santana is dating somebody else back in New York right now. As far as we know, they're still together, uh, Santana and Danny. So I don't know. It just feels like uh, we're kind of just speeding through a little bit, but it's fine. Um, of course, if uh, we can get Brittany back dancing again, I'm all for it. 
Back um, inside, both Rachel and Mercedes are campaigning to the kids, both new and old, about who should win. Uh, Santana or Mercedes making the point that, look, it's all about how cool you are. I mean, Rachel represents the past, Broadway, I represent the future, a pop diva. And uh, Rachel's like, well, you know, I, I, I've beat, I've already beaten Kurt before. Just vote for me. Mercedes is like, I'm better than her. <laughs> he just says it outright. Um, Rachel's like, I've always been better than her. So just vote for me. Um, and let's just put this all behind us. Let's just settle this shit once and for all. <laughs> so they are both campaigning hard <laughs> for these votes. This felt like a little bit of a waste of time, a waste of a scene. <laughs> I kind of liked it, to be honest. I like because we've never really seen uh, Mercedes just say it like that. I mean, she always says, like, whenever they have arguments, she's always like, I'm just as good as you. But this time she says, I am better than her. And I was like, yes, Mercedes, yes. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, of course, I appreciate uh, uh, her saying that. But I don't know, just like this this 90 seconds to uh, two minutes. I'm like, oh, I could use it somewhere else. It was just, you know, kind of giving the uh, the the new new direction some FaceTime as they were facing uh, Rachel and Mercedes. I'm like, both of these two girls, like, it's just so sad. Like, they both have so much going on for them in their lives, but they come back to high school and they just can't get over this feud that they don't even really have. I mean, they're, they're going to talk later about, you know, their actual feelings towards each other. But, like... This is so stupid. You're both so successful right now, and you have to come back to the Glee Club to prove which one of us is better than the other. It's like, go find something else to do. Like, come on. Well, I mean, they're back in they're back in the same place again with newfound success in both of their lives. So, of course, that competitive spirit is just going to keep coming back. I mean, it's just... It's a never-ending battle. You would just you would think that both of them would come back to this place and you know use all their time to be bragging to the new kids and bragging to their friends about how great life is, but not immediately like you know just spend all of their time uh, just fighting with each other about something so ridiculous. I mean, like if I was the lead on a Broadway show, I would come back and be telling everybody every story about all these things that have happened, not spending my time preparing to take on Mercedes in a duel. Rachel did this. It's her fault. She's the one that decided to do Defying Gravity when she had no business doing a song that she was supposed to be reinventing. Like, Mercedes had the clear right to sing this song. And, of course, Rachel's the one that suggested Diva off. So, I blame Rachel. I blame her. They're, eh, I mean, I always am down to blame Rachel, but they're both kind of uh, wasting time here. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I lived for it. Back in the Glee Club, uh, April's going to talk to Clayne about the fact that they're getting hitched. Like, I'm so glad, I'm so glad for the both of you. This is so awesome. Um, she asks about a date. They're like, we don't know yet. We're just going to, you know, wait until next year to figure that out. Um, she's like, all right, well, I got you guys a wedding gift. <laughs> she gives them two little mini flasks of hooch. She says, that's to dull the pain of your excruciating uh, wedding night sodomy and uh, to help you with the divorce that you're going to be careening towards later words <laughs> or afterwards, rather, so... There we are with that mm-hmm. shit. Uh, Mr. Shoes tries to start the lesson. He's going to call on Puck to sing the song, whatever he sing whatever he's going to sing. But Santana uh, takes over and is like, hold up. I'm going to let you finish later on, Puck. But Mr. Shoes, you told us that we could sing a song that we've already done before. So I really want to do a duet this time with Brittany for Valerie um, to really encourage her to dance and to get back out into the glee scene because she's just too up in her head with mathematical equations. So we're going to get a redux of Valerie, this time with Santana, or excuse me, with Brittany singing as well, and Mike and Jake taking the dance portions of the song. Private Puckerman. <laughs> yeah, Private Puckerman. Hold up, yeah. Private Puckerman. <laughs> 
Um, yes, uh, this is, of course, uh, Santana's a big defining number back in season two, the one that really introduced us to Santana that showed us the star that she is capable of being. Uh, and it was with Brittany and Mike by her side, you know, all the way back then she's using it as a little bit of a different thing here to try to get Brittany going with her as well. Um, you know, the vocals are going to be split a little bit this time, not just being Santana. She wants Brittany to uh, sing with her as well, which, you know, is their way of uh, reimagining the song a little bit and not making it the exact same as what it was. Um, and of course we're also going to see Jake that, gets up and dances with Mike. So we kind of mix things up a little bit here to just kind of make it look a little bit different, sound a little bit different. But either way, it still does have that same magic of like the sentimental value of it. I guess I'll spoil it now, just saying that like the other Valerie is by far going to take, you know, the uh, the cake here and and be the superior Valerie performance. I mean, when you just how do you how do you beat that when they're all up on the stage in their in their regionals outfits, uh, sectionals outfits, I think sectionals or re- sectionals, I think um, they turn around uh, Santana has uh is ready to go and they're all you know bobbing up and down well sometimes uh, and it's just it's you know you can't beat that but glad that we were able to bring it back here and just uh do another performance of it because it uh you know three seasons later we need to remind some people that this exists and uh what what these two can do together yeah yeah it's a it's a lot of fun i like the high energy um i like the fact that jake and mike are um both involved it was a lot of fun to watch this number I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I never really thought about which one I prefer, which performance I prefer. I don't know. I'll get back to you. I can't imagine. I can't imagine it's this one. I mean, it's good, but the well, you hate the other one. I don't hate it. I just didn't like it as you much do. as you and the rest of the fandom do. I don't have to That's like insane. everything else that you guys like. <laughs> At a certain point, it's just liking, not liking things to be different. I'm convinced. Uh, no, it really, it, no, no, it, it is. really isn't. It's literally that I don't, I, 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 you guys go up for Valerie. I don't. I just don't. I didn't say that I don't like it. I just do not share the same passion. It's like you with Get Happy, Happy Days Are Here Again. Like, I go up for that's that song. A, that's you not do a not. song from the fandom. No, yeah, well, there's a difference in like like th- the songs that are like fandom wide considered great iconic performances of the show. Like everybody can agree that they were so good, and you're just like, eh. And like Valerie is one of them. Get happy, happy days is not one of them. Okay, I mean, uh, all I can say is that I cough I, syrup. I, I like so I I'm just not as a big fan. I mean, and there's there are certainly a bunch of numbers that are still widely regarded as really really good numbers that I am that I'm a big fan of. But I'm just not like Teenage Dream doesn't do it for me. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. And in Valerie, I didn't say that. I didn't say that I don't like it. I just said that I'm not as big of a fan as everybody else. It doesn't mean that I'm not a fan. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be different because trying to be different would be me saying that I hate it and I don't hate it. I'm just uh, not a big fan. So. Okay, whatever makes you happy. I mean, uh, I'm just saying. It, where is the clear cut answer for you? Which one you like better? It's not as clear cut for me because I'm not the biggest fan going in. So, like, I feel like I have more of a, you know, I have more leg, like, you know, wiggle room to be like, oh, maybe this one. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'll get back to you. Whatever. We'll see. Yeah, that's concluded. For Puck's performance, he suggested they move over to the auditorium to get, like, a bit more of an acoustic vibe going um, and some mood lighting going. So they're all singing. uh, They're all sitting uh, on the stage in a circle and we're going to get a performance of Keep Holding On. And, of course, Puck is dedicating this specifically to Quinn. And it's going to bring her to tears. 
It's going to bring her to tears, and uh, I don't think it got me this time with the tears, but this song, man, it really gets me. It really, really does. I mean, when they did it back in season two, and they were all, season one, sorry, and they were all singing to Quinn, uh, you know, back when she just found out that she was pregnant, I want to say it was like episode like five or six or something, seven, like really early on. It might have been seven or eight, I don't know. Very early on in the show, and the Glee Club had just kind of come together. Quinn had just started to accept them as her friends, and accept them as people that were there for her when maybe Coach Sue where the Cheerios were not. Um, and all of these people were there singing to her this song that's you know pretty emotional when you have a bunch of people singing it to you, telling you to keep holding on. You're going to make it through. Uh, just stay strong because we're here for you. It's it, it gets you. It really does. And uh, this as well, it's like, you know, not the same feeling to it because last time they were singing about this girl who is uh, a teenager that just got pregnant and, you know, what is she going to do next? This time they're singing it to her and it's like, uh, like not the same feeling. It's like she's, you know, just dating a douchebag and like they're just telling her to like I don't know I don't even know what the message of it is this time but obviously it's still kind of hitting her in a way that's kind of reminding her of who she is and of of like deep down who she cares for and who cares for her Um, we see you know she's just sitting on the stage watching them all and I mean the part of this that gets me is like I like that that got me the choreography yeah, the choreography being the exact same uh, from back in season one. All the original New Directions that get up on the risers and start to do it all for her. And like, I like that they separated it. They gave just the older kids a chance to get up on the risers and do it themselves. Like, even Rachel and Kurt, like, uh, just watching everybody all there together. And, you know, it's not often that you find Rachel okay being in a background perform, uh, being a background per- person in a song. But, like, I don't know, for some reason, just seeing her up there with everybody, I'm like, okay, this is everybody doing that same thing that they were doing uh back in season one of course there's one missing piece which you know it's uh it's noticeable at a certain point to see that finn's not there with them because finn was such a big part of that uh first time that they did it so that you know kind of weighs heavy on me as i'm watching it but the way that you know the puck sings it to her and just really you know expresses it because we see how much he cares about her throughout the show especially in this episode and uh, you know she's sitting there like holding on to that pearl necklace like desperately trying to hold herself together and trying not to cry and uh it, i don't know this one really this one really gets me i think it's uh, a, a really good uh redo of it yeah at the end of the song she's uh she's crying and puck says to her well, i guess i can still saw your heart here we go with that saw shit again and she says i did love the song but i'm not crying over you i'm crying over the fact that um just for a few moments, I'd, um, I'd, I'd already forgotten about it. And in a couple of years, we're all just going to forget about it. And he says, well, that's why you got to keep holding on to your past and not be ashamed of it. But she says that she'd rather look forward. And Puck says, we love you, Quinn. We, 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 we love the real you. We're not. You should not be ashamed of who you are. And she says, well, I'm in love with Biff. So I'm assuming she's talking about Finn here, right? That's what, that's what she's talking about, right? Um, I, I yeah, tell. maybe. I didn't quite think it through uh, either way. At first, I thought it might have been about Beth, but no, you're probably right. I mean, it's. Uh, I think that that's the thing that makes maybe the most it's, sense. Maybe like, it's both. Like maybe Finn, it's like a bunch of like everything. Yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking as well. Like it's like everything. She she constantly talks about you know uh, about like moving forward in life and the way that she's going to leave a lot of people behind. Uh, but you know, I guess Finn, of course, is is a big part of all of this. That you know, they were all like I said, Finn was such a big part of that initial performance. He's the one that sang it the first time. Uh, everybody was in on that song, but it was like Finn and Rachel that were like taking Quinn by the hand during that number and like guiding her through, saying like We are going to get you through this along with everybody else. So it probably did bring just back all of it for her yeah well she's in love with biff so fuck it fuck biff (laughs) 
All right. The next day, Mr. Shu calls him to order. All right, everybody. No more drama. Time to vote for either Rachel or Mercedes. So I guess, yeah, I guess Kurt isn't an option. I guess. No. <laughs> nope. But Santana stands up. She's like, before we cast another pointless vote in a meaningless contest that has absolutely no practical ramifications whatsoever, I would like to say some words about my good friend, Rachel Berry. Rachel looks shocked. She's like, really? Okay. Rachel Berry is the most horrible human being on the planet. What? Can it, troll? Santana, you have sold half the people in this room down the river more times than I can count so that you can get a solo or the lead in a musical. And I'm pretty sure that you don't know the names of the other half of the people. That's not true. All right, well, what's his name? Santana points at Ryder. Rachel says, Rick. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. See, you've all met Rachel Berry, okay? But I've, I live with her. Let me tell you what it's like uh, to share a bathroom with this stubby, undergrown little cretin. Someone in that apartment shaves their face and leaves their stubble in the sink, and we all know it ain't Kurt. So do the math. That's a lie. You know what else is a lie? When you won prom queen. What? Yes, that's right. You didn't win. Okay? Everybody just felt really bad for you, and the two people that you hate most in this world, Quinn and I, stuffed the ballot box so that you would win. Quinn looks rather uncomfortable here. But Rachel says, You're so cruel, Santana. I mean, you're only doing this to me because I'm the lead of Funny Girl, and you're just the lowly understudy. You want me to make me feel bad because I'm better than you, and you're an awful person. She storms out. Uh, Santana says she feels so much better now. <laughs> All right. Now allow me like uh, a second here. Just like I go up for Santana at every opportunity possible. Always have, always will. But sometimes is it too much? Sometimes is it unnecessary? Sometimes. And like, like, I mean, look, this isn't the first time she's gone after somebody unnecessarily. And you're kind of like, ooh, ouch. Um, Like when she did it back in the day, I don't know that I was, you know, uh, standing up for every single time she laid into somebody. It's just kind of like as time has gone on and she dishes it out to people who dish it back out to them, to her in like their own way. I know we had this very lengthy debate a couple episodes ago when uh, Rachel and Santana were arguing over Santana getting the understudy part and uh, we didn't even fully get to a conclusion there. We kind of like laid out a whole, a whole bunch of points as to who's right, who's wrong, um, and it's not going to be the end of that story just yet. Like there's still much more to go between these two. But like... I don't know. Just felt this felt a little bit too much to me. I'm like this this girl. Like I get she's being annoying. She's in a fight with Mercedes though. Like she's Mercedes's problem right now. She's not doing anything like to bother you here. You're off having a good time with Brittany. I'm like you could have given her like a little bit of a rest here. Especially you guys just became friends again. Like you were you literally were on and off, and now you were fine living back together in New York. And now you come back home and you're gonna fight in front of everybody. I was like I don't know Santana. I don't know if we needed this one. I don't know. Wait, were they back together in New York? I thought they were still separate. I thought Rachel didn't come back to the apartment. I don't know if she came back or not, but they made up. They they were talking about how, you know, neither of us have ever had, you know, uh, close girlfriends. And uh, we've always been that for each other. And then, you know, Danny and Starchild and Kurt came back to the apartment. And then uh, they all went back and sang some Hold On. Mm, I, I don't feel like that was a makeup. I feel like that was just like them both like mentioning, you know, what, like, yeah, like we... It sucks that we're in the situation again, but it didn't really seem like resolution to me. It, felt, it just felt like 
moment of reprieve because Rachel most certainly I mean, still didn't live there anymore. Like Santana had like I wasn't implying they were like room. best friends like, all over again. I was just saying they kind of you know talked it out. But it was a further point than uh, than where they had been when this all started. I mean, I I agree with you um, for the most part about what Santana does here. I think that talking about the stubble and all that shit was sort of just like over the line. Like you didn't have to go there. You could have just left it at like, cause she's absolutely right. Rachel, Rachel is annoying. Rachel will do anything to get anything over anybody else. Like that's just who she is. She's a Slytherin. So I agree with her there. Um, and I, I understand like why she did it because it's like, Oh, so here we go again where we're sitting here. We're like, we're forced into having to fucking sit here and either reward Rachel with something or reward somebody else. And if we're going to do this, then I need for everybody to know what kind of person that Rachel is because half these kids don't even know who she is. And she doesn't give a shit about any of you. So before you sit there and try and cast a vote for her because you like the way that she's saying this dumbass song, how about you, you know, how about I give you a little, a few little pointers? But I agree that the rant may have been a bit overboard, but I understand why she did it because these kids don't know her, you know? They don't mm-hmm. know who she is. So... I get it. I get it. I think that it was a bit too... I think it was over the top, but I get why she did it. And Rachel, she's not a lowly understudy. Like, that, you, being an understudy on Broadway is a job. Like, I, I just don't... Like, uh, okay. Like, maybe if you were an understudy in high school, yeah, okay? Those are some high stakes. But an understudy on Broadway, you're damn... You're, you are employed on Broadway. You are going to get another job after that. Like, that's not... But okay, whatever. Whatever makes you feel better, Rachel. Fine. But Rachel storms out. I wonder how much of a revelation this was for other people in the club about the prom queen thing. Because as I as I understand it, how, how I remember it happening was that Rachel, excuse me, Santana and Quinn did that on their own. There was nobody else in the room when they did that. They decided to rig the votes for themselves even after Quinn won. So did anybody else know that shit that was going down? Did they tell anybody else? Nobody probably knew. No, I don't think anybody knew. I don't think anybody cared. It's like the same thing when uh, Kurt revealed to Rachel that he threw the competition all the way, you know, three seasons later. And it was like, okay. And then it was kind of like, you know, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. Okay. All right. Because Mercedes, like, looks shocked at Rachel. Like, <gasps> like I was like, oh, shit. I don't think anybody knew. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Mercedes is going to follow Rachel out over to the bathroom. She says, well, that Santana rant brought me back. And Rachel is just like, I... I'm just so sick of this. It's like no matter where I go, no matter what I do, there's always going to be someone out there that makes me feel so small again. It's just like no matter what I do, I can't escape that feeling. And Mercedes is like, well, you know, I I just got you. I just use that shit to my motivation. You know what I mean? I just use all of that stuff. Whenever whenever somebody tells me no or rejects me, I just it just it feels like Santana or Quinn is doing it or sometimes even you. And Rachel's kind of taken aback by this. She she knows that she's been competitive with Santana or with Mercedes. I keep mixing up Santana and Mercedes this episode. But she never really thought that she would consider Rachel as one of her, you know, high school demons. But, I mean, Mercedes admits that Rachel sort of, like, keeps her head in the game. The both of them have been at odds with one another since they've met. But the both of them also realize just how talented the other is. You know, both of them... Of course, thinks that them, thinks of themselves rather highly, but the both of them have have always held that mutual respect for one another because look, there's just like no denying the talent in the room. Um, so they sort of like reconcile here, and uh, Mercedes is like, look, like I, I, who knows what's going to happen in the future, but 
like you just you just have to be stronger than this Rachel and you just have to realize that your talent is going to be the thing that's going to take you through just use all of this hate as motivation to keep moving forward um and you know whenever I win my first Grammy I'll be sure to give you a shout out and Rachel's like well I will have probably won my uh my first Tony by then so yeah we'll see <laughs> so they they hug and you know it's a cute little moment between the two of them yeah, Rachel's, you know, Rachel is known for being pretty impossible, hard to deal with, uh, you know, in many aspects, she's vicious, she gets what she wants and all that, like, that's well covered. And, and uh, like, my point being about with the Santana thing, and then even with everything with Mercedes here, it's like, Rachel has gotten such a good thing going for her now that she has this role in Funny Girl, like, things are going so well for her now in, in every, like, possible way. She is, uh, I mean, just, it seems like all signs are pointing up for her. And now she still has to deal with, like, you know, as she mentions, like, the ghosts of her past, as Santana is still there and still every once in a while causing waves in her life. Uh, especially, you know, they go back to Ohio and uh, she can't even get away from the wrath of Santana. And then she's back here and uh, she's, you know, with Mercedes and uh, the two of them have to be feuding. So uh, I'm not trying to paint Rachel as this innocent victim that, you know, de- uh, that people are being so mean to her. Um, it just feels like, you know, the way that these kids all operate with each other, it always ends up in this way that always, you know, they always have to go back to the arguing of it all. And I get I, I guess that's just uh, how we keep a TV show running for for season after season. If you if you just had, you know, everybody being best friends, it would be no fun. There would be no conflict. So, you know, I guess I get it. But Rachel and Mercedes are two characters that have had such a good friendship underneath the surface for so long. And they often forget about it because they were dueling for the solo spot and they, you know, were always going going after the same kind of thing. And, you know, Mercedes always felt slighted by Rachel being the one who always got what she wanted. But look at the amount of like sleepovers that they had. Like they had some connection there. It was always there. It always, you know, under the surface, like I said, there was always something that kept the two of them drawn to each other and having that mutual level of respect for each other. So, yeah, I mean, no surprise to see that's how things end up here as well. Them just coming together here in the bathroom saying like, look, uh, we, we both are dealing with the same thing, you know, feeling like they're like that voice of Santana or Puck or Quinn is the one that's telling us that we're not good enough, but I am good enough and you are good enough. And we need to stop taking each other down because we're both going to be great and win the Tonys and win the Emmys and win the the Golden Globes or whatever it is. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I also think that it just speaks to the fact that success isn't everything. You know what I mean? Like you have to find inner peace if you really want to be happy because you can have all of the things that you ever wanted in the world, but until you like are able to, until your own inner voice is stronger than anybody else's, you're always going to get brought back down. You just always will, because they are always going to be people that have shit to say about you, no matter how successful you are. You can be the queen of the world, and you're still going to have your naysayers. And if you don't have that self-confidence, if you don't build that esteem up for yourself, you're never going to get it. You're never going to get it. It's just not. It's just never going to work out for you. So I think that that's. I think that's kind of like what Mercedes is getting at here. It's like you just have to. You have to believe in yourself, and that sounds so cliche, but it's the honest to God truth. Until you're able to do that, the one thing that someone says to you is going to bring you down, because all the and it's just I don't know. It's just like that's just like psychology for us. I don't know why it is, but like all the compliments that we get, if we get one negative critique, that's the one that we always fucking focus on. Until you decide for yourself, look, no one else is going to be any harsher on myself than I already am. So until you are more powerful than anybody else in your own mind, it is what it is. It's it's a wrap. So you might as well get used to being sad because (laughs) (laughs) so. Yeah. 
Yeah, tough, tough uh, journey for these two throughout these five seasons. And uh, as as mentioned a couple other times, as teased a couple other times, uh, we'll see some more Mercedes and Rachel going forward in season five. So uh, we have that to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Mr. Shu, April, and Sue are going to meet up again in the office and... Uh, and- Sue has some receipts. Apparently, the contract um, that stated that as long as April Rose is paying for the auditorium, then she gets to, you know, she gets to decide what goes on in it. Well, apparently, April has not been making payments. More like her financier has not been making payments because she's been cut off. Apparently, all of the assets that she has are, like, up in the air. Like, they're, like, up in escrow right now. And therefore, she can't make any payments because she's not as rich as she thinks. Mr. Shu is just devastated. He's going to walk out of the office like, what the fuck? Like, you did the worst possible thing that you could do. You gave me hope. And she's like, well, I can explain. She's like, what are you going to explain? That you're like, you, that, that, that you're like a pathological liar who gets your hopes up all the time? She's like, yes, exactly. <laughs> like, so once again, uh, April Rhodes not necessarily being the, uh, not being the best. Even though we love her, uh, yeah. Well, again, uh, or, or whatever. Who's uh, who's to expect any different from April Rhodes? That's how uh, things always work out for her. If you are really trusting her with as much as uh, the Glee Club and Will are trying to genuinely trust her with, that's pretty much on you for putting that uh, kind of investment into her. I mean, she uh, definitely did a good thing for them back in the day, but you know, hard to expect that she's going to be your uh, guardian angel to save you forever and ever and ever. It's still April Rhodes. Yeah, she has like she's carrying a flask the whole time during this exchange. Mm-hmm. And she has like, extras for like all the kids. <laughs> it's so, like she should not like that should not be on school grounds. <laughs> like why? Is she... Well, all right, okay. Biff is confronting Quinn outside in the parking lot about everything about the baby, about the tattoo, all of the lies. Puck is going to walk in on this conversation. Quinn is trying to calm him down. Like, look, I'm coming clean now. Doesn't that count for something? Like, come on. Like, I, I'm sorry that I lied, but I, I'm trying to be honest with you now. She's like, honesty is everything, Quinn. You've like, you've ruined it. How am I supposed to trust you? Like, you're the like, worst kind of hypocrite. You act like you're like all high and mighty and like this perfect princess, but really you have all of these skeletons in your closet. And Puck is like, you need to calm the fuck down, sir. He's like, has she ever been this like be- like pathological liar? Like, is she like, are you the baby's daddy or something? And that, that's, like, it for Puck. He, like, they start fighting. They're going at it. Puck, of course, wins and then, you know, does his trademark of throwing him into the dumpster. Um, Quinn is trying to break it up the whole time. Like, look, like, Puck, can you just get out of here, please? Like, just, just fucking, like, I'll deal with it. And Puck is like, all right, well, whenever you decide to drop this asshole and come with your real friends in the choir room, like, we'll, we'll be there. So you figure it out, sis. He leaves. Yeah, f- again, fuck this guy. This guy is terrible. He sucks. And uh, I mean, we're obviously supposed to uh, uh, understand. And, you know, I don't think there's a second of this episode where anyone's like, oh, Biff, he seems nice. But yeah, uh, he, you know, calling Quinn out. And it's like at a certain point, uncomfortable to watch the way that she is talking to him. And, you know, like, you know, even after he is acting this way towards her, she still wants to be with him. She still doesn't want to give this up yet. She's still, it's, it's, uh, I hate it. I hate it. I'm, uh, I mean, I do love, uh, when she grabs his nose, uh, <laughs> and she's like, you shouldn't have said that. Let go, let go, let go. Like, no. Um, so at least she, uh, takes some charge here. It's not, not quite a slap, uh, but she does, uh, go about it in her own way. It was like, it was like, I feel like this was like, they were trying to go for like, you know, 
avoiding it being like a really dark place within a relationship, like with somebody putting their hands on the other person. But like the nose thing, I feel like was like right before that line where it becomes like actually like, you know, something that they should not, whatever. Um, but yeah. And then Puck going in to save the day, of course. And uh, I mean, he's, he's not wrong at all. Do you realize how much better you are than this guy? He's trash he is garbage he is in the trash and the garbage because that is what he is uh so yeah stay here or come back and hang out with us in the choir room you know who your real friends are so uh end of story what else is there to say yeah fuck him fuck biff he's an ass all right (laughs) back in the choir room will is uh trying to get the voting out of the way april says that they can use her left hand for anonymity as if rachel and santana would be Look, oh my god Rachel and Mercedes be looking at the votes anyway Sam was like well what if I'm left handed <laughs> she's like well then use a foot well, why don't you just use your right hand you dummy <laughs> yeah I don't appreciate the uh, left handed shade in here thank you very much <laughs> I didn't know you were left handed mm-hmm, always have been interesting very interesting yeah so the only vote that we do get to see is Tina's of course she votes for Rachel because she idolizes Rachel and uh, Rachel and Mercedes are going to come back in the midst of this and be like, look, um, we decided that it's just, it's stupid of you guys to have to decide. It's so unproductive. Like, why can't we just be two beautiful musical divas um, and just leave it at that? You know, like, it's it's just, it's it's silly. But Mr. Shu announces, well, you know what? They think that you're both equally talented, so they agree because it's a tie. And so I'm just fi- trying to figure out where all these votes went. Yeah, I'm not even going to sit here and try to break him down. I mean, we know that Jake was torn. One is black, one is Jewish. And I, I get the struggle that he was uh, having to uh, to face there while casting his vote. But everybody else, um, not, I'm not too sure where anybody was leaning. I mean, I uh, think if know. we had to guess, probably all of the new kids. I think that probably Jake and Kitty are swing votes. Because Jake doesn't really give that much of a shit. And plus, I mean, one is black, one is Jewish. And Kitty, maybe, because uh, she's... Kitty voted for Mercedes. Well, she's also been at odds with Mercedes. You know what I mean? Because if we... Okay, so if we assume assume that all the new kids vote for Mercedes, right? So that's Marley, Ryder, Unique, Jake, Kitty. That's five votes right there, right? Santana voted for Mercedes. No question. Yes. Uh, Sam voted for Mercedes. No question. Yes. That's seven Ah, votes already. Yeah, maybe he's not. He's and not Rachel voting. We're getting. Yeah, but uh, they've. Maybe he feels burned by her. There was a flirtation there, but he's dated Mercedes. I just don't like. He cried over Mercedes. Like I just don't see him not voting for her. Like when she sings to him, he's in tears. There's no way that she did. That he okay. didn't vote for her. See, the the problem here is that I can't get the votes for Rachel. I think everybody voted for Mercedes and Will is just uh, <laughs> trying to be nice or something. I, I don't know. There's the no. Vote. way. I mean, obviously Kurt. Kurt voted for Rachel. Blaine voted for Rachel. Tina mm-hmm. voted for Rachel. Quinn voted for Rachel. How is Tina going to go out here and vote for Rachel? Like, come on. She Tina. idolizes her. She wanted to be her. the new Rachel. I know. She's obsessed with her. Mike voted for Rachel. Mike's in love with Rachel. Mike Chang voted for Rachel. Yeah. Tina and Mike Brittany voted, voted for Brittany voted for Rachel because she thought that Mercedes was unique and she didn't want to let the new kid be the winner. Yeah. Brittany, Brittany definitely voted for Rachel. Wait, so how many is that? Tina, Quinn, Mike, Brittany, Blaine. Kurt. Kurt. Okay, we're, we're, we are spending a lot of time on this. <laughs> but I've, this is like my, this is like the only thing in the episode that I really wanted to talk about. Really. <laughs> what? 
because I just find it interesting. Like, how did it tie up? Because I was like, at first, I thought the same thing that you that you did was like, I don't understand how Rachel got any votes, but of course she got all the votes of the of the alumni because they don't know. I mean, well, they. I think it's Tina, Quinn, Mike, Puck, Brittany, Blaine. Those are the six, which means Mercedes would have won unless either Jake or Kitty went over to Rachel. So either Jake voted for, I think maybe Jake voted for Rachel because he was just like, whatever. So if you put Jake on the Rachel side, that's seven votes. And then which leaves Marley, Santana, yeah, Jake, Ryder, Jake saw Unique, that Ryder Sam. was voting for, Jake saw that Ryder was voting for Mercedes and he, he was like, I'm not voting the same way as him. So he split it. Okay. So, okay. Marley, Santana, Ryder, Unique, Sam, Jake, and Artie voted for, for uh, Mercedes. So that's seven, seven. But where does Kurt vote then? Because the, the vote couldn't have tied. Because if Kurt is not in a part of the competition and no one votes for him, then Kurt gets a vote, right? So that means that that's, that's 15 votes. So how did it tie? Unless <laughs> Kurt unless Kurt voted for Rachel, Mr. Shu saw that and then tied it. Or yes. Kurt did a fast one, voted for Mercedes, and then... Uh, <laughs> Mr. Shu, which is like, I'm not dealing with this bullshit, and then put the vote in for Rachel and tie it. Either Kurt way, said I can't, and Will said you can and you will. <laughs> Either Kurt didn't vote and it was a seven-seven vote, or Kurt did vote and then Mr. Shu tied it up. There we go. All right, I just it was bugging me. I just had to figure it out. Join us next week on RHAP when we go to the stock watch of each of the uh, the Glee oh Club goodness. members. <laughs> The audience gave Rachel a <laughs> four. I think most certainly did, if they gave her anything at all. Um, yeah, all right. Well, that was fun. <laughs> it's a tie. <laughs> Whatever. It's a tie, as always. But after this vote, April is going to use it as an opportunity to apologize for getting their hopes up. It's not the first time that she has done this to someone, but she wanted to let them know that she did use the uh, last of her NetJet accounts to fly in someone who is equally as enthusiastic about the Glee Club as she is. And it is Miss... Who is it, Matt? Who is it? Who comes skating across the buttered floor? Miss... Who is it, Matt? That's my favorite teacher at McKinley High. Miss... Who is it, Matt? Holly Holiday. Yes. Hola, classe. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. April, thank you for buttering the floor for me. You know I like to make an entrance. I was like, how do you two know each other? She's like, oh, there's a whole Facebook page for people who were the guests of the Glee Club. You know, me, April, Blaine's brother, Rachel's mom, the Mexican guy. Uh, that's one way to remember that Ricky Martin was on the show. Um, and he, Will's so amazed and surprised that she's here. She's like, well, I've been everywhere. You know, I, I quit being a substitute teacher. I couldn't stand being tied down. Um, I love teaching in a room full of kids that I know I'm never going to see again. So she started her own trade mark holly holidays teaching pop-ups and she just shows up in classrooms unannounced uh, unannounced with uh to teach a lesson and get the hell out of there which we do see that she did and uh, obviously it didn't go very well because the teacher that i guess she took over for is gonna run in on them and be like she just showed up and took over my class there she is get her uh dramatic ass performance over there but she was uh she was doing her best william henry harrison performance america's worst president uh we need to reevaluate that but i don't really know um but yeah uh, so Holly Holiday's here. She heard Glee Club was ending, and she uh, she ripped off her old, her Paul Pot uniform, hopped on a plane out of uh, Buenos Aires, and came to pay her respects. Yep. 
Um, Rachel lets her know that they have been singing a bunch of songs that they've already done before. And Holly is going to be like, what? That's a terrible idea. Like, if I'm going to be back here, we're going to do something else. Like, so let's hit it, boys. And we're going to get happy. And y'all already know how I feel about happy. So I guess, you know, you can go ahead and talk about this if you want, Matt. Without a roof because I'm happy. Yeah, no, honestly, I mean, i not the biggest fan of the song either, but also just kind of like, you know, like I said, they had... Uh, Kristen Chenoweth and Holly Holiday uh, <laughs> and Gwyneth Paltrow come back in for a, uh, a return appearance on Glee and had them sing these like cheesy pop songs. Like I said, Raise Your Glass kind of fits in with April's character, but like Happy, come on. Why are we wasting all this? And, and I feel the same way about Forget You. I mean, I think uh, the performance that Gwyneth Paltrow put on for, for Forget You made it pretty iconic in her own way and she kind of made the song more bearable for me because, uh, you know, I'm not... The- biggest fan of that song especially whatever after the performance quinn and puck are in the uh in the locker room santana and Brittany are in the choir room this is the first time that we're going to actually see quinn address like finn passing puck is looking up at the uh jersey and he asks quinn like if finn ever forgave the two of them and quinn believes that he did like a long time ago like she thinks that they pretty much helped him dodge a bullet because Rachel was his soulmate. Puck is going to ask her, well, who's who's hers? Is it Biff? But Quinn says, well, no, he went back to Yale alone. Santana is talking to Brittany about MIT. He's like, why Why do they have to, why do they need you for everything? Why, why can't they just use a calculator? You're like, you don't need to be like walled up inside some laboratory. You need to be out in the world. You need to be exploring. You need to be living your life. You need to be dating. Puck says he's going to think about blowing this place unless there's a reason to stay. Um, because I know who my soulmate is, but Quinn just can't like bring herself to admit it right then and there. Um, so Puck is just gonna be like, "You need to tell me to stay, or else I'm gonna go." She says nothing. He leaves. Brittany goes in for the kiss with uh, Santana. She pulls away. She says, "It's just, it's not a good idea." I just, I like, I, I have something going on back home or in New York, and I just can't. But Brittany says, it's been really good being around you. You make me feel like a girl again. Like, my body wakes up. And Santana's like, okay, please don't do this. Like, I spent so much time trying to get over you. Like, this is not cool what you're trying to do right now. But Brittany says, I really want to be with you, Santana. I've seen the world. Yeah, okay, girl, you went to Massachusetts. I'm not sure how, uh, I'm sure now more than ever that I belong with you. And I'm sure your girlfriend's great. But you can't recreate what you and I have. I'm sure all of the Britannia stands were like fucking going wild during this scene. But like I said, Puck is already on his way out the door. Brittany tells Santana to just think about it. Before Puck can really leave, Quinn is going to come running up to him all dramatically and plant a kiss on him. So I guess the two of these people are officially back together. And we don't know what Brittany and Santana are going to do quite yet. Yeah, of course, a uh, reminder to anybody that is watching along with us for the first time or whatever, uh, whether you do, do or don't need the reminder, this is a two-part episode. So we're here in the first part of this, and uh, it, it almost feels like a little bit of you know cliffhangers here towards the end of the episode of what is going to happen as uh, these all like these storylines play out in the next episode and actually kind of leave us in some kind of finalized position going forward into the rest of season five um, as you know it's going to kind of shift gears, as we've talked about many times. Puck and Quinn. It was, yeah, it was, it was, you know, heartwarming to see them continuing to the conversation about Finn, where, you know, the, this was still a guy that affected them both so much. 
And this goes back to what I was saying about how they keep Finn involved uh, throughout majority of this season uh, for these two characters that are back for the first time. Uh, F- Quinn wasn't there in the quarterback. She did not make it for that episode, whatever reason that was, you know, for Diana Agron or whatever. So this is the first time she's really been around to talk about Finn in her own way. And Puck was having such a hard time with it back in episode three, let alone, you know, you know, here. So I think he's really looking to Quinn as somebody who, you know, understands the struggle that he's been going through with losing his best friend and he still you know he loves Quinn he really does he always has felt this way towards her the end of season three in that finale it was the two of them that were like glued together in that story of him being there for her so it makes a lot of sense that they're here together in this moment and just you know he's trying to pull her back into you know re- some reality away from Biff uh, but, like this guy is garbage like get rid of him and you don't have to be dating me I mean it would be nice I mean I, I really love you um, but like at least don't be with that guy that's not you know, that's not good for you. So yeah, the two of them ending with a kiss and her telling him to stay in like the lowest possible Quinn whisper you could ever imagine. Uh, I, I like the way that that ended off for this first half of the uh, of this double part episode. And then Brittany and Santana. Yeah, these two were always going to find their way back to each other no matter what. They obviously had something that was very strong at the time and uh, really were discovering themselves with each other. And Santana's not wrong that she's worked really hard to, you know, get over Brittany. Uh, She was doing a lot of work at the time when she first broke up with her. And then she, you know, had that exchange back at school that she's like an energy exchange. And, you know, she was like, she felt so bad about it because she was, you know, not wanting to feel differently towards Brittany, whatever it was. And then, you know, as life has gone on, uh, like I said, they're always going to really find each other. So yeah, um, you know, we'll, we'll hold on to these and head into the next episode with them but I'm happy like these two couples and the storylines with them were really the highlight of the episode for me so I imagine that my gold star is going to go somewhere in here but I'm not positive Mm -hmm. well Mr. Shu is going to call all of the remaining original Glee Club members to the auditorium so no blame this time just Mike Chang Artie Sam or you didn't even know Sam um, Mercedes Santana, Brittany, Quinn, Rachel, Tina, Kurt, and Puck. Of course, the only two missing are Finn and Matt, because uh, he hasn't been here in centuries. But he says, I want to show you guys something. All of you that were together for the from the very beginning, when the Glee Club was just a dream, um, and we're going to see both uh, the plaques of Lillian and Finn. They're new and final resting places. For as long as McKinley's around, all the students who travel through this auditorium are going to see these. Artie's going to say and have absolutely no idea who they are. Santana says, you know what, this is crazy because I could really give two poops about this place, but this is <laughs> really getting to me. Uh, uh, Mr. Shu says, I know we were all raised by different parents, but we grew up together in the Glee Club. It's a part of all of us. Of course, you're sad about it. But uh, Mike Chang says, I don't know, Mr. Shu, with this and Finn, it's kind of hard to believe that anything lasts. Uh, but Mr. Shu says, I don't have any more pop to- pep talks. I just have you guys in the memory of the people on this wall. My friends, I mean, we share this special bond. We're the only ones in the world who know what this Glee Club has meant to us, what it felt like to see together, to be, to be together, and what it feels like to say goodbye to it. I didn't come here to cheer you up. I just came here to say thank you. I thank you for all the goings, uh, for, for going on this ride with me. Uh, we've got a few days left until Sue shuts the lights down on the choir room, so let's make the most of them. Holly and April are up in the rafters watching this go down, and Holly says, I know we got to finish our, our wine first, but uh, we cannot let this Glee Club go the way of the dodo. 
Uh, April says, I could not have said it better myself. Holly Holiday, we are going to save that Glee Club. End of episode. The entire time that Will was talking there, uh, you kind of see Rachel like breaking down and crying. Um, I think a lot of that probably had to do with Finn or, you know, if mm-hmm. you want to make it real life, you know, Leah with Corey. Um, they That's they were talking funny. about how, you know, that, that specific part about how we all grew up together, you know, it's, it's been a part of us. And, um, I think Mike, you know, was the one making the point about how, uh, you know, it's hard to believe that anything lasts. And uh, I think Artie was the one that was saying, you know, it's just, uh, people are going to look at those plaques for sure, but they're not going to know, have any idea who they are in the same way that none of us watching the show know who, uh, Lilligan Adler is. Nobody knows who, uh, any of these people are, or the, nobody will know who any of these people are in a couple of years from now, you know, especially what, if you're not teaching anymore, like, I don't know, it's, they're, they're bringing it to a dark place, but I think a a lot of them are just having these fears of what's going to happen in the future. We can't be sure that we're all going to still be as close as we are now and that, you know, we're going to be able to keep the memory of these people alive in a way that is obviously pretty important to us in this moment. So, yeah, it, it affects Rachel pretty deeply. And then uh, Santana and Quinn and everybody here is getting pretty emotional about this. Uh, the, the new directions are, are seemingly over. It's like this is uh, this is this is really feeling like the end in a way that it never has felt before. Um, and whether or not that is because this is the end, you know, we'll uh, let you know in the next episode. But it does really feel like we're we're getting towards a uh, a final goodbye for the new directions. And Holly and April up there being, uh, you know, the new directions uh, saving graces. Hopefully they're you know, they, they know they have to do something. And that's uh, that's the cliffhanger here leading us into the next episode. What do they have planned? What do they have up their sleeve? Let's see. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, that's the end of the episode recap. We'll move on to our favorite part, our favorite songs. And with that, we've got Raise Your Glass by April, Will, uh, and New Directions, New and Old. Toxic, The Unholy Trinity, Defying Gravity, Kurt, Mercedes, and Rachel. Valerie, Brittany, Santana, New Directions, Young and Old. Keep Holding On, Puck, New Directions, Young and Old, and Happy. Holly Holiday, April Rhodes, Will Schuster, New Directions, Young and Old. What is your favorite one? I can't pick a number one from this episode. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I, I've got to give it to Toxic and uh, keep holding on. Toxic being that iconic performance from the Unholy Trinity. It is, uh, you know, probably, like I said, probably my favorite Unholy Trinity number of all time. So uh, loved to see them back together and just all over that performance from top to bottom. And as I mentioned, keep holding on just gets me every single time. So Gotta show that one some love. I think this version is uh, is really good with Puck at the lead and all of the sentimental value of the new directions on those risers that are just, you know, doing the same old moves that they had back in season one to really just make it look uh, similar. I mean, uh, Razor Glass, Defying Gravity, and Valerie I thought were all fun. Uh, Valerie, of course, is one of my favorites of all time. Uh, the original version, but uh, if, uh, I'm picking out a minimum of two here. It's going to go to the uh, to those two. Toxic and keep holding on. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and give it to keep holding on. I, um, I agree. I mean, it's a really, really, uh, I feel like that one had like the best emotional, uh, recall for me, given, you know, the visual cues of the, the new directions doing the old choreography and then the new kids coming in as well. And, um, just, you know, how it sort of like was reimagined in a way, because now, I mean, not only is it just a puck solo this time around instead of a, a group number, but it's also within the context of Quinn's life, 
it is, you know, it's just a little bit more meaningful given what she's going through at the time. So I thought that it was probably the most well done out of all of the returning songs for me. Uh, all right, slushy ratings. Uh, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and give it one slushy. I know it's so hard because I want 100 to be amazing, right? And I've, I have a lot of fun during this episode. I do. But, I mean, out of, out of all the critiques, they kind of just, like, pile up. Like, we talked about April and how they didn't really utilize her that well. We talked about how the newbies are just really just punted to the back. And, of course, if the newbies were given more time, I'd be like, oh, well, they should have focused more on the returning alumni because we haven't seen them that much. But, I mean, I, I, at the very least, it could have been just a little bit more balanced. Like, these kids aren't going to be here that much longer, you know? Like, the Glee Club isn't going to exist. So there really isn't any reason for us to follow them anymore. And we're saying goodbye to a lot of them, and I just feel like we don't really get to say goodbye at all. And I think it's such a that's such a bad way to end. And the next, I mean, this is a two-parter, but the next episode is sort of the same. So, I don't know, it's kind of hard for me to reconcile with that. Like, I mean, I definitely enjoyed it. I enjoy it with time. You know, I, I've certainly grown a liking to it, but I just... I just wanted more with this episode and I just didn't feel like I didn't get it, get everything I needed. So one slushy for this to be, for them to have hyped it up as much as they hyped it up. Like I'm going to be a little harsher this time because my, my expectations were higher, (laughs) even though if one slushy could be considered (laughs) harsh. Yeah. I saw a TikTok yesterday that was uh, Kevin McHale and it was somebody that was like, you know, those TikToks that are like, uh, if you're, it was like, it was like, if you're Kevin McHale, do at this. Uh, So it was some guy asking him questions and it was like, uh, one of the questions in there was like, so what happened? Like, what was what was season five of Glee? And Kevin's quick answer was like, Ryan was busy, essentially saying that, like, the writers were all too busy to, like, actually put a lot of effort into the season. Um, and I talked about, I know, a couple episodes ago about how I've been really enjoying a lot of what we've been watching this season, which is surprising me um, because I really always thought that season five was going to be lower in my rankings. But so much of this so far I've enjoyed. But. Um, I do agree with a lot of what you were saying and a lot of what we said at the top of the sh- of this episode about this. You know, they they really could have done something super special and magical with this episode. Having everybody back definitely does like half the work to get us there. Having Quinn and Puck and Brittany and Mercedes and Mike and uh, you know everybody back here for. Uh, of course, Holly and April as well, having everybody back here for this uh, reuniting uh, of this reunion to kind of bring everybody whatever. Um, I think that that's good. I think that's fun. But the numbers were were just like good. They were all there's a couple of them that, like I said, I really enjoy. But I don't know. Just I overall feel like they really could have gone an extra mile. Um, the whole point about the new new directions, you know, having a chance to say goodbye to them, I'm totally on board with. I wish that they had more mixing here and there. Um, I don't remember if we're going to get more like Noah Puckerman and Jake Puckerman in the next episode, but, you know, the, uh, that was a, a big storyline that connects these two generations of Glee clubs. So, yeah, um, we'll see how they close things out. We do have two guests that are coming on with us in the next episode to close things out, so I think that... Uh, they probably thought that episode is better, so maybe that one is better. I don't have a full memory of it. Did I even give my rating yet? I don't think I did. I'm just rambling on forever and ever. Um, I'm going to give it a one and a half slushy, so pretty close to what you have. Um, I, you know, my bar is generally like two is like an average episode, and I don't think this one was an average episode. I think it was still good, had good stuff in it. So one, and I'll uh, drink half the second slushy before I throw it on them. 
So it's just one slushy. <laughs> or no, yeah. I said one and a half. But you said you drink half one, of it. one, and then I will drink a half of another slushy and then throw the rest on, creating one and a half slushies that ah, I throw onto this episode. Gotcha. I was like, wait, you're just gonna drink half of the one and a half? I don't get it. Gold star. My gold star is gonna end up going to um, an unexpected choice for me for myself. I didn't remember. Glee 100 being an episode that this person was going to get a gold star, but it's uh, it's got to be for me uh, a Puck gold star. I haven't seen Puck on the gold star board in a while. Um, I don't even know if he got one in season four. I don't think he got one in season... I don't know. It's been a while. But uh, I'm going to you know go back to the OG days of the new directions and get puck back on the board he was the only like as i mentioned those those two couple storylines were the ones that are the parts of this episode that really kind of held my attention the britney and santana stuff i thought was okay but it didn't feel as strong to me as the quinn and puck stuff um maybe it's because i was just so drawn to having quinn back on the show and obviously i i don't think i can give quinn a gold star here for uh you know it, it, she's a little messy here with the biff stuff but puck really does a lot to bring her back to reality get biff out of here throw him in a dumpster like this guy sucks and uh, he's trying to ruin this entire 100 uh, celebration that they have going on. So he gets rid of Biff, sends him off back to Yale. And now Quinn and Puck can come back to rejoin the new directions. And you get that magical little kiss between the two of them towards the end. So uh, re- like I said, really didn't expect it to go to Puck, but that's where mine is uh, going to land. That's a good choice. Hmm. Okay. I, I kind of want to give it to April, really. I mean, I mean, she did kind of fuck up, but like. She thought she had the money. She didn't know that the financier was drying it up. Her, her heart was in the right place. Yeah. She, it has also been a while since she's got a gold star. Y'all know how I'd be spreading the love on the guest stars. But did she do enough this time? Uh, uh, after after you give the gold star to, uh, Bish, what was her name? I don't know how much. Everybody else, is gonna, people are going to be so pissed off at that, but I stand by it. I don't give a fuck. Tyra, Tyra Banks bodied those lines. Okay. Like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and give it to Puck. I think that he um, was well-deserving in bringing uh, Quinn back down from her lofty clouds. And I, I mean, like I said, he had my favorite performance of the episode as well. So that, that helps. So Puck, gold star. All double right. gold star. Yeah, double gold star for Puck. Who would have? Uh, who would have guessed it? Let me look at my chart. When's the last time he got one? Definitely not in season four. We got nothing there. Season three, he did get one. Um, no, he got he got two in season three. He got one. Not since uh, season three, episode six. The rumor has it, someone like you episode is the last time that Puck got a gold star. It was from you, and the, before that was a couple episodes prior. So it has been a while for Noah, Noah Puckerman. All right. Well, I'm glad we could uh, pay our pay our dues today okay well that's gonna wrap up this episode of the choir room thank you guys so much for sticking with us make sure that you're following us at choir room pod on twitter you can follow us individually i'm adam on adwin matt is at matt Ligori. make sure that you leave us star ratings and reviews we'll read them aloud on the show wherever you get your podcasts uh anything else that's it looking forward to uh the next part of this episode some guests coming back on to rejoin us heard them in season four so we're excited to have him back and uh that's it looking forward to it all right well until next time until new york we'll see you later. <laughs>